1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. If, if, they're, if they're cupped up, they're circling, you know, they're circling around your spread, I'm letting you have them. They're your birds unless they peel out for whatever reason, then they're fair game. But if they're cupped up and they're keying in on that spot, those are your birds. And I know some guys, I know some people disagree with me there. They'll be like, they're not your birds until they're in your hand. Welcome to the Foul Front Outdoors Waterfowl Podcast where our goal is to recruit and educate new hunters while entertaining the rest of you. Without new hunters and the mentorship of those more seasoned, this passion as we know it faces an uncertain future. So get the word out, turn the volume up, and enjoy the show, because you're on the foul front. So today I've got, uh, I've got we got Matt again. You're, I guess we could call you the, should we call you the new co-host? Or just the, you know, get, or frequent frequenter on the on the podcast <laughs> yeah there you go okay well today we're both gonna uh regale the stories of our our public land disappointments i suppose from this weekend and uh talk a little bit about uh, public land hunting etiquette and how to be successful on public land hunting yeah let's do it all right sounds good so, um, Matt, you want to start off with kind of your story? Uh, what happened to you? Yeah. Uh, so, went out today and, you know, got out early, get up, you know, I usually try to give myself an extra hour or so just to get everything ready and tweak the decoys, get the cameras set up and stuff. And uh, so I get out there, first one out there. Uh, I was like, all right, got the whole place to myself. A couple other groups show up, you know, no big deal. Then it's probably about sunrise, half hour after shooting light, and these two two guys show up. And, you know, that's fine, not too big a deal. Uh, you know, maybe they had a flat tire or they had something pressing at home and couldn't get out until then. Not that big a deal. But these guys show up, and they're yabbering on, and they have their, you know, banging decoys around, throwing decoys out and yelling at the dog. All the same time, you know, when it's probably the golden hour of duck hunting, you know, that first hour. So they're making all this rack and stuff. 
but you know, still not a big deal. Shoot yeah. some, they shoot at some ducks. I get pelted with pellets one time. You know, uh, these blinds because we have permanent blinds you have to sit in on this public area, and uh, these two blinds the one I'm hunting and the one they were in are maybe a hundred yards, but I'd say probably closer to 80 yards apart. Oh, geez. Yeah. So set, you know, I'm set up and we got a South wind. They're straight North of me and get, get a little pairs and flocks of four and stuff come in and they'll give me passes about two or three times. And, you know, I'm trying to get them in tight so I can actually shoot. I, I had some shots maybe at 40, 45 yards, but you know, I don't want to. I don't want to lose a crippled bird. There's a bunch of cattails, and I don't have a dog, so don't want to lose any cripples like that. So, you know, they get right right with how they need to land in my spread. They would have to pass over the edge of these guys' shooting range, and they weren't looking at their spread. I can tell because just the way that the water is up there on at that blind. Yeah. So they would spin out around, and they would, you know, give them the same 40, 45-yard shots. And these guys would take them, even though the birds were cupped up, coming straight into the wind, coming into my spread. Wait, well, they were, you know, they were shooting at different birds or shooting at those birds? They were shooting at those birds. Oh. They, basically, they were upwinding me. They came in, and it wasn't really intentional. You know, there's only a select number of blinds out there, but, I mean... If I was in that blind, I wouldn't have shot those birds. I would have, you know, let them. If they're working someone else's spread, let them let them work. But uh, so move. Flash forward to a little bit, or fast forward to a little bit later in the morning, and have a flock of thirty mallards sky high. And they were just doing it right. They were whiffling down, did two or three passes, just like all the other little flocks. And I was like, all right, this is going to get awesome. This is going to be really cool. I can't wait. Best working mallards I'd seen for at least a couple of years. And did the same thing as those other flocks. And they came and they banked around, getting about right with, you know, right where they need to be. And those guys shoot, shoot into a flock of 30, cripple two of them. And uh, I get more pellets rained down on me. So that was that was uh, probably the most frustrating day of duck hunting I've ever had. Just yeah. having that happen. That that's really unfortunate. <laughs> like it's really easy when you know to sit here and it sounds like we're kind of being like crusty jerks, like uppity, like. But it is irritating, <laughs> and uh, I think there that if a lot of people just followed some simple rules about public land. This could definitely be saved. My question for you is the the place you're hunting, they set up blinds, uh, separate blinds, 80 yards from each other? Yeah. Well, see, it's more of a goose spot is what it's for. So um, the geese for that other blind that was north of me, yeah. the geese wouldn't land up there because it's water, it'd be frozen, but there's a big metal behind them. So usually people put the goose spread back there and then they're they're hunting that way, but you know today it's, gotcha. it's not frozen yet. There's it's uh it's just how how it is. Yeah, I, I would like them to move it back, but I don't think that'll ever happen. Yeah, 
now me and Austin, we had a, we went out this weekend as well on the big lake over by my house. And we had a very kind of similar thing happen where, um, we were, you know, we got up really early cause it was public, you know, we don't like to get beat to the public spots. And we'd scouted this place out. Uh, I had gone twice and he'd gone once, um, to, you know, try to figure out specifically where we need to be set up and, uh, watching birds and whatnot. So actually a considerable amount of like scouting time went into this compared to, um, most hunting that I do. Um, so anyways, we get in there, um, we're, we got the boat in the water all loaded up and we're paddling by 3 a.m. Um, and we get to the spot around 3.15, 3.30 and we're set up by 4. Um, and we're just sitting there waiting for, for daylight and, uh, about 30 minutes before, um, it's legal shooting time, um, we see a truck just hauling butt down the, the lane that gets you to the, not, not the boat ramp, but where you can launch a boat and, uh, <clears throat> comes hauling in and we're like, Oh great. Hopefully these dudes are just, um, coming back in here to launch and they're going to move further out. Cause where we were back in there, it was like a little pocket and it was about, uh, 150 yards wide. And, um, so these, of course they come making their way back to our spot and, um, or where we're set up and, I'm like, hey, guys, like, you know, we're back here. Um, if you don't have any other place to hunt, why don't you just, you know, no sense in having two groups back here. It's too small. Um, and they they tell me, nah, it's all right. We're, we're hunting this creek right here. And I was like, yeah. And then Austin's like, dude, it's 150 yards. It doesn't matter. Like, it's too close. He's like, we're just hunting woodies on this creek. We'll be in and out before the big ducks even come here. And we're like, guys, we gotta, like, we gotta make, <laughs> we gotta make that first, you know, that golden hour count. We can't, like, sit around here till 1030, um, for the big ducks to, to come in. Like, we, we're leaving at 930. We're trying to hunt here and we got here first and we've been here for like two hours. And they just ignored us. Well, they sit out in there and they're smoking and telling stories about, Aggieville from last night and when the birds start working that you know they're they're just like standing up their dog is running everywhere and uh being loud and you know we ended up getting uh four birds out of the whole thing but um which is crazy for how much how many ducks were coming back into that uh cove area and uh just whoops they would see those dudes or you know whatever it was and they'd they'd be right out so we probably lost five, maybe six big groups um, to their shenanigans. So it really frustrating. And then um, they a little bit of karma. Their boat trailer did like break down, and they had to leave their boat <laughs> and their trailer clear back in that the woods there. And so that felt nice. And we, I, I have to admit, we did consider um, taking. Um, like one of those lockers locks, you know, like a combo lock and throwing yeah. it, throwing it on their trailer, like <laughs> the, the part that puts the thing down. But we decided to, um, that that would be, you know, that wouldn't be a nice thing to do. So no, <laughs> but I very seriously considered it. Public land joys, man. Yeah. The only reason I didn't put that lock on their trailer 
was because I didn't want to be someone's story about a bad experience on public land. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. But man, I really wanted to. So. Anyways, yeah. that's that's why that's why we're talking today. We're gonna um, we're gonna go over some public land etiquette and discuss kind of um, what we think the rules um, are. And for anybody that's new to the group, like hopefully you can abide by these. And um, uh, you know, I think it'd be better if everybody knew this stuff. Agreed. So, uh, Matt, who taught you um, the rules, as it were? I use quotations around the rules. Uh, that's a pretty good question. I would, I guess my dad would, uh, would have for the main part, um, you know, we, where we hunt when I grew up, where I grew up, uh, there wasn't really too much pressure. Like we never had, we'd be lucky if we saw one other person out there just because, you know, Southeastern Nebraska isn't really known for, duck hunting so everyone else was chasing pheasants or deer we'd be going out duck hunting and you know i learned i learned like effective range uh vis-a-vis sky busting Mm. but uh in regards to like you know setting up too close or letting people have you know let people work their own birds or all that stuff it's just been kind of a uh you know just you just kind of gain gain it through experience you know you kind of ask yourself would i want that done to me and if the answer is no then don't do it to someone else i mean it's just like anything else in life really this week's episode is brought to you by the following partners hunt hickory creek new to hunt hickory creek this year their central kansas lodge they're going to be running hunters from the end of october all the way through january and they're situated right between kavira and cheyenne bottoms which combined can hold hundreds of thousands of birds at a time. And these guys are going to work their tails off. You got Chase, you got Cody, you got Scotty, and then you've even got um, Megan in there taking pictures. Guys, if you're going to be traveling outside of your state um, and you're going to pay for guide service, don't roll the dice. Come into our Facebook group. Pick Chase or Scotty or Cody's you know, brain. Figure out who they are and uh, make sure that you're going to be booking a hunt with them because they're not just awesome guides, they're great people. They're going to show you a great time. So, if you're going to hunt Kansas, hunt Hickory Creek. We're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries, the fastest growing, most affordable decoys on the market with unmatched customer service. And you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, or DiveBombIndustries.com, and you can find Asher in our listeners group. And get yourself into a large, effective, affordable, and easy to set up spread. It takes about a minute uh, to set up on a dozen, and they take up no space in the garage or truck. They're tough, extremely realistic, and go get yourself twice the decoys at the price, none of the hassle. Um, also brought to you by Toe Tags LLC. Now, federal migratory game bird laws apply in all 50 states that includes yours which includes gifting and tagging laws make sure to keep your birds separated and or tagged when transporting or storing them uh, with other hunters birds now this includes from the field to home as well gifting in the field though commonly done never legal uh, it must be done at the donor or donor's personal boat hey for other helpful hints and to keep yourself legal go check toe tags llc out on facebook or you can hit up ryan um, in our Facebook group, uh, or you can head on over to ToeTagsLLC.com. So have fun, be safe, and keep it legal. We're also brought to you by Athlon Optics, which 
produce some of the finest shooting scopes and binoculars on the market. Their ED glass is top-notch and rivals the glass of binos three or four times their price. You're going to be able to pick a goose out in a depression from half a mile with these things. I'm telling you, they're tough, sturdy, and this is where Athlon Optics goes above and beyond their lifetime warranty, which is critical for us waterfowl hunters. I sport the Midas 10x42, and I'm extremely pleased with them. So head on over to Athlon Optics and get yourself a top-of-the-line binocular system for this season at a fraction of the price and a no-warranty, a no-worries warranty. We're also brought to you by Freelance Hunt Stats, and i got to tell you, I'm really excited to be using Freelance Hunt Stats this year. Um, if you've never logged your hunts in the past, start doing it, um, especially with FreelanceHuntStats.com because it's not just a journal. This thing can catalog all of your information, and you can go back, you can look at like how you do on sunny days. It's going to be a game-changer for you. So head on over to FreelanceHuntStats.com and start logging your hunts this season. We're also brought to you by Duck Nuts. And now I've been fighting duck um, decoy rigging systems since I started. Wrapping, coiling, Texas rigs, talk about a pain in the butt. Now, I work hard, don't get me wrong. But at the end of the morning, it's time to go home and Duck Nuts allows me to do that so that I can rig my decoys that all i got to do is throw them in a bag. And with our friction system, it's too easy to just pull the line and pack it up and or just throw them out. It, it, it allows you to adjust for depth, and if you're tired of fighting your decoy rigs, head on over to ducknuts.com and use your 10% off code with foul front um, discount code. We're also brought to you by Gypsum Creek. Now, Gypsum Creek is a full-service gun dog training facility in the heart of the Midwest, and they are looking to build eager, confident, and reliable field companions through a unique approach that you don't find at many other places. So come check out Gypsum Creek Retrievers on their Facebook um, or Instagram, or you can hit up Evan, the owner, in our Facebook group. And I promise you, this guy loves your dog more than you do and loves teaching him how to retrieve more than you do. Um, I got to spend a uh, weekend out with them, and it was an awesome time, I'm telling you. Um, the What they got going on over there, that's where you're going to want to send your dog. All right, we're also brought to you by the DuckTech mobile app. Um, increase your odds of success in the blind this year with the DuckTech mobile app. Three-time world ch- duck calling champion Barney Caleb teaches you how to make the most important duck sounds and what they mean to a duck and when to use them, the most important part. DuckTech is also available to download on the App Store and Google Play. With the season approaching, get the app today so you can put more ducks on the strap tomorrow. We're also brought to you by SRB Field Rests. No matter what, where, or how you hunt, SRB, SRB Field Rests got you covered. Uh, they're going to keep your shotgun, rifle, or your bow, or your crossbow safe, clean, and ready for the, uh, in the field or on the range. Waterfowl hunters in a dry field, a muddy field, marshes, flooded fields, or flooded timber. SRB Field Rests has you covered. Go check them out. They've got a 10% discount code for you with Foul Front, all under case, one word. We are also brought to you by Gunner Kennels, the market's only double-walled, roto-molded dog crate and five-star crash-tested rated kennel. These American-made boxes come with a lifetime warranty, and the guys over at Gunner Kennels have done some crazy stuff to show you how strong they really are, like dropping 4,000 pounds on it. Hammering it with a 630-pound sled and tossing it off a 200-foot cliff and shooting it with a 12-gauge shotgun with zero bullet penetration. You're hitting the road uh, with your dog this season. Gunner Kennels is your safest bet. Uh, Protecting your best friend and your investment. So head on over to GunnerKennels.com. We're also brought to you by HTR Innovations. And you have not heard of them yet, but... um, I am hunting out of their A-frame this year, and they have one of the slickest um, 
inventions I've seen um, for waterfowl hunting. It's an awesome little gun stand for the marsh. Um, and go, so go check them out at htrinnovations.com. Also, here's another big thing for you. Do you absolutely hate laying in your layout blind? Well, they got something for you. So go check them out. Um, and our good buddy Jordan over there, he's going to be doing all their filming this year. Looking forward to seeing what they got. Okay, let's get back into this week's episode. Um, I don't know. You know, some people, they get frustrated or they get uh, angry. And, and they're like, well, if I'm not getting birds, neither are they. And they'll start, you know, start shooting or yelling or blowing really hard on their call there's there's no room for that you know we're all out there for the same thing just to yeah enjoy, enjoy nature so yep for but, sure sorry i didn't mean to go off on the tangent but uh no i i'd say part of it from my dad and then the rest of it just i kind of picked up throughout hunting like in college and high school just hunting by myself yeah and i think you know Mine was interesting because I think I learned a lot of these from some of them are pretty basic, but there's a lot of, you know, innuendo or not innuendo. That's the correct word. Um, there's a lot of um, stuff that's not right out obvious that you wouldn't realize unless somebody told you or it happens to you or, or something of that nature. And, uh, you know, I was kind of interesting because I learned a lot of these kinds of things from uh, from hardcore waterfowler, you know what I mean? Yeah. So you know, as as uh, my first season is going by, I'm you know I read things and I you know pick up on things. And I you know Google it and stuff, and um, and so I learned a lot of that stuff from there, or just reading about what people are jerks about to each other, and and so you know I, I'm sure I've definitely been somebody's like ah this guy over here. You know what I mean? Um, just yeah. the nature of being a new guy um, to waterfowl hunting. But, yeah, I, I, it's not like these people don't know this stuff, you know? Because I think there's a huge difference between knowing that it's kind of a jerk thing to do and then not knowing it, um, you know what I mean? So, and I... Yeah, and I, I, yeah, you know... And and a really good example of that would be sky busting. You know, when you're just starting out, and uh, you you know you might see a goose or you might see a duck, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get that. And you pull up, you're not really you don't really know your effective range of your gun, um, or you're just too excited and you want to you know shoot at it. I think that's part of it, you know, versus the guys that like, oh, yeah, I know I probably won't kill this one, but I got my long-range pattern master in, and I'm just going to... Take a shot. You know, yeah, spray and pray. Just going to send it, as the kids say, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's, that's true, because, like, there's, you know, if it's your first, second season, you might not, you might not know um, <laughs> what your effective range is. But I don't understand what – it's greed, actually, that would make you take a 60, 70-yard shot um, on a bird that has the possibility of working someone else's spread. Um, and obviously that greed is bred by, you know, limited resources and multiple people competing over limited resources. So, Yep. 
Yeah, I'd say I'd say rule number one um, is definitely sky busting. Like, shoot the birds that are in your decoys. Shoot the birds that are in your spread. Um, and I mean, when it comes to like pass shooting, if there's a bird that you can confidently kill, sure, go ahead. But on public land, I think it's a heck of a lot better to. Um, <laughs> and I think it's the acceptable thing to let some of those further shots pass by. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, you know, I just actually, um, I was just hunting a war zone last week and I actually, uh, first time ever that I've hunted anything remotely close to this. I mean, I've hunted, you know, lakes with four, maybe four or five groups total on them, counting myself. And, you know, that's no big deal, but this spot there's at least 15, if not 20 or 25 different groups within a probably a two mile radius. And it was just a nonstop radius. Yeah. 20 groups. Oh geez. Yeah. It was all, all on a river. So, yeah. you know, but it, it was just nonstop up and down both sides, people hunting in the middle, boat blinds everywhere. It's just crazy, and so you know, like you can you can kind of you can kind of get uh, get that little itchy trigger finger, but you gotta just maintain your discipline and uh, try to try to get it to work. Actually, probably the best case there is you know um, just kind of shut up and really conceal yourself, and you know those ducks are gonna be looking for a place to hide. Yeah. You know, I was I was talking to a guy. Um, he's from around here. Um, he's a young younger guy, and you know, I was asking him. I said, "Hey, is this a pretty common place?" And he said, "Oh yeah, absolutely. Like that's how it is up here, around here." And I said, "Geez, you know." And it got me thinking. You know, it's it's because everybody's the hero in their own story, right? And so, anybody that's hunted a respectable amount of time up here. You know, it only takes one guy to be a jerk, and then the other guy. The next time he goes out, he got he, you know, um, <laughs> everybody's just trying to get their duck back. You know what I'm saying? There's only really one jerk, and every other every other guy is just trying to get his duck back. Because um, oh, last time I was out here, these you know, this is kind of the way it is. But I think it takes uh, a little bit of maturity and a little bit you know, bigger pants or bigger waders to. Um, try to be the, the change that you wish to see. And so I don't know how you go about um, doing something like that. And I, I even thought about, like, I was wondering if, like, you know, I've seen in some places wherever you get a, a good concentration of, of hunters on a, a big watershed or something like that, um, I know that there was, like, a Facebook group for um, basically, like, El Paso duck hunters. And we all hunted in the same, like, three places. And so it was, like, a really good way for us to communicate um, and try to, like, talk about ground rules and, uh, you know, like, people being, like, essentially kind of opening the lines of communication. Um, and so that was nice. So I, I, I even considered, I was like, oh, man, I wonder if they there's, like, a, you know, Tuttle Creek uh, Facebook group or whatever, you know? Yeah. Because I'm sure, I'm sure if you if you did that, it might open the, the forum. But you know how those how those things get. So yeah, and see where I'm at. I don't th- I don't think that would work out here, just because 
you know, we're so close to so many different states. I just driving today, I saw four different state license plates, all duck hunters. Yeah, I mean, though, here's the thing is if I knew that I was hitting like a certain area quite a bit and I eventually saw a, uh, a Facebook group that was like um, Soggy Bottoms Pond, you know, Hunters Facebook group, I'd be like, oh, heck yeah. And I'd join that to see, you know, <laughs> I guess to Internet Scout probably. But um, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yep. So I wonder if that's like something that, we might see here in the future. I don't know. I might, I might try it out or get someone else to try it out. So, I don't. I don't think I have it in me to have another Facebook group that I manage. <laughs> so, but yeah, man. Oh, all right. What? What next? Let's see. I would say distance. Yeah. Yeah. Distance from distance. hunting parties. Okay, so obviously yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's exactly yeah, it's terrain dependent, I know, because like, okay, you could be only 80 yards from each other, but there might be a ridge in between you, you know, and that'd be fine. But ah, I think a good hard rule, like if everybody did this, it would be, I think, amazing. 400 yards is the minimum. I would love that. And I don't like think that it's, would be, and I don't think it's like crazy. And obviously, there's some situations that it, that's not correct. So, um, I was hunting a, a Ducks Unlimited managed property um, in Oklahoma last year, and yeah, was I 300 yards away um, from the other hunting group? Well, yes, but they had conveniently like the place wasn't that big, and they had conveniently set up like right in the middle. Um, but I was on some like little, like we weren't hunting the same water. You know what I mean? Of course we were hunting the same birds, but, um, so it's things like that that kind of make a difference. But I think 400 yards is like a good, <laughs> like, you know, plus or minus, um, 400 yards there is a, would create a much better hunting situation for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I would. I agree with you. I think it it is uh, situational, but just as a general rule, four hundred would be perfect. Yeah, and I think or ideal, I guess, or, and safer. Sorry, go ahead. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Because I don't think at four hundred yards, you, you know, either those birds are coming or they're not. You know, like they're not. If they're within, you know, four hundred yards, um, you're not hunting the same birds you know what i mean yep yep i know i know what you mean yeah no 400 yards is i think it's ideal you you don't have to worry about shot rain running or shot raining down on you you don't have to worry about really people sky busting or calling your birds i mean they can try but if they're working you they're you know for a fact they're working you yeah yeah, I think it's um, – I think 400 yards would be great. And I think in, in Texas, there's like a legit rule. Like you have to be 400 yards away from the next hunting party. Otherwise, it's uh, hunter harassment. Well, in California, it's it's only 100 yards. That's a little crazy. That's – I Yeah. I had uh, – I had this from Mid-Valley Mercenaries commented – 
he told me that he's in California. You can only you only have to be a hundred yards away. Which I don't I don't think Nebraska has a law that states a minimum distance. It does for like roadways and yeah. uh, structures, but I don't think other hunting parties. Yeah, I I'm actually looking it up right now, but um, yeah, that's I think 400 yards is is safe, and it's like if everybody did that, it'd be great. So, uh, should we should we move to the next one? Yeah. Okay, so let's say you roll up into a spot. Um, and you're going to be like, it's your, it was your primary spot that you had scouted. Boom. The flashlights turn on. Um, and someone's there. Let's say you didn't have a plan B. Um, and now you're like, ah, crap. Like, where am I going to go now? Um, I, I don't think it's impolite to ask a guy, um, or or a gal, whoever's hunting there and say, Hey, Guys, do you mind? Um, I only this was the only place I could find with ducks on it this week, and I'm a busy like I'm busy guy. Like I just couldn't get out and scout any more than I can. I'm sure you're a busy guy too. Um, but do you mind if I you know pull up and uh, we can use we can use some more of my decoys? Um, like you guys obviously call the shot because you got here first, and I think it'll be a great time. You know what I mean? I don't think it's impolite yeah. to ask somebody when you roll up on them um, if you know, you can hunt with them, especially, especially, you know, you were talking earlier. Um, and I used to think, Oh, well you didn't scout. Sorry. Like that sucks for you. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, but then it's one of those things where it's like, dude, what if the dude was up or like he left the house late because, um, he was helping his wife change a diaper or the kid woke up. Um, you know, so much, so many things out of our, (laughs) out of our control. And, um, yeah, I just, if anybody ever asked to hunt with me, it's, it's, it's always a, yeah, come on. Like, cause you, that might be the newest addition to your hunting party after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Could be a total yeah, see, flop I'm, in which I'm case you just of, leave, but. Yeah. And you know, you don't have to just hunt the early morning. Um, you know, I, if you're going to be late for that first flight, that first hour, I would, I would just rather, you know, if it was just me personally, I would just wait, wait it out so I don't screw up other people's hunts. They might be done and leave. I can get in there before the 9 a.m. flight, before the 11 or the 2 p.m. flight. I could either hunt or I could just hunt the whole afternoon, you know, just let people get out of there and then you can go hunt and maybe even have less pressure as the morning goes on into the afternoon. Um, that's, but that's just me. I know some, and I know some people will do that, you know, they'll, sleep in till nine and go out for be out there by 10 and hunt for four hours or so. And those people we like to call smart people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could, I don't have the patience. I could never do it. Like I love waking up at two in the morning and it kind of sucking and going out there and like being the first in the marsh. And that's part of it for me. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yep. I, I know what you mean. Um, I'm, I can do either way. I mean, I've gone out, had great afternoon hunts, had thing hunts. So I'm, I don't really mind <laughs> either way. Yeah. I guess I haven't really gone out at like 10 a.m. or anything, but. No, 
And so, yeah, I mean, that leads into, like, don't show up 30 minutes before shooting time. You know what I mean? If you're going to hunt the morning, um, hunt the morning. And I understand, like, there's things that can make yeah. you late, but if you're going to be paddling through people's sets, you know, um, probably best to just go find somewhere else. Or, like Matt said, wait it out. Maybe, you know, sometimes at a certain point you got to call it. Like, oh, I'm too late. You know what I mean? And that comes yeah. back down to being selfish, too. Like, you know you can get out there, but you're going to ruin the first 30 or 45 minutes of somebody else's hunt. Be- who They did all the right things, and they're out there. They, you know, they scouted, they set up, they got up early, but you didn't wake up early enough. And so now because of that, they have to suffer. Um, and, you know, it's just kind of a, as they would say, a jerk move. So I don't, we're yeah, all, I think, yep. I agree. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Well, we set up uh, distance and set time and sky busting. What other rules do you got? Um, let's see here. Okay, I, I guess I kind of want to discuss the notion of people's birds. And what I mean by that is, what do you consider someone else's bird? Like, just asking you here, Ben, what do you consider, like, do not touch, like, do not call, do not um, scare them away kind of thing? Okay, so obviously this goes into the how how far away someone is, um, you know what I mean? But let's say for the sake of this, there's two blinds, uh, two hundred yards apart, right? Um, okay. So we're hunting. Your blinds over there, and my blinds over here, and we're we're hunting, and we got birds way out front, right? Um, and they're they're just kind of like circling around, um, and we're both calling. I think that's great. Uh, they swing uh, out to the left over your blind, right? Um, and then yep. they're kind of working working that way. Once When they're in front of your blind, like I'm not calling at them. Uh, unless they're like a mile high and I like there's a potential that they're swinging over mine. You know what I mean? They're checking yeah. us. They're checking us both out. Um, we're still calling. But I'm not – once they're within that like kind of working your spread, you know, they're like – Hundred yards, and they've hit you. Got they've hit you up a couple times. You know what I mean. And I've seen you turn them with your calls. Like that's when I set my calls down. Oh yeah, see, I'm I'm the same way there. Yeah. If if they're if they're cupped up, they're circling. You know, they're circling around your spread. I'm letting you have them. They're your birds, unless they peel out for whatever reason. Then they're fair game. But if they're cupped up and they're keying in on that spot. Those are your birds. Okay. And I know some guys, I know some people disagree with me there. They'll be like, they're not your birds until they're in your hand. But, you know, it, it one, it educates birds if you just try to out-compete each other. And, two, um, it can lead to confrontations and possibly even, uh, you know, safety issues if you're shooting at birds and you don't, you know, and you're, and once again, it's the des- distance between setup thing, but. Um, it saves a lot of problems if you kind of just lay off, the, you know, if they're not coming into your spread. Well, okay. So then answer, riddle me this then. Uh, you know, blind A, they're following all these rules. Okay. Blind B, they don't care. 
they're going to call your birds off you. Uh, blind B is going to win, right? Um, because they're const- they're calling it all the birds, let's say, and where you're only calling it birds that are giving you, you know, that are within the quote rules or the paradigm that you set up that you would call at, where they might that other group might pull a couple birds off you. Do you just let it happen, um, or do you do you call their birds off? Is there a point where you're like, well, okay, well, I guess game's off. And I'm going to, you know, do unto <laughs> you as you do unto me. Is that, you know what I mean? Where do, what do you do with that situation? That's that's a good one. And that is kind of where I was at today, except they never had birds working them. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't, I don't, that, that's a tough, that's a tough call. Um, I think if, if it came down to that, I would either, Maybe go talk to them and be like, "Hey guys, look, we just, can we work something out here? You want to join up, or you know, every other flock, uh, try to figure something out. You know, try to be uh, diplomatic about it. I guess it's yeah. probably how I would approach that situation if it's possible. Yeah, yeah. But that's... I realize that's not ideal on public ground. You know, tempers flare very easily, and um. Pretty much anything goes in some areas. So yeah, and that's exactly right. That's why I asked the question. It's because that's, that's how a, that's a good question. That's how those public spots get the way they are because um, you've got the people that you know are not. They don't start off doing it, but then two or three times this happens to them, and then at a certain point they're like, "Well, man's got to get his own." You know what I mean? <laughs> and so then he falls right in. You know either. Either leave with a um, a full, you know, uh, limit, or you hunt long enough to see yourself become the skybuster. I guess, <laughs> in the words of Harvey Dent. So, <laughs> I didn't know he was a waterfowl. Yeah, it was a little known fact about the, uh, the Batman series, as it were. But um, yeah. That was stupid. But, uh, uh, and then, like I said, what's the, you know, have you ever had anybody approach you on public land and been like, hey, we're really close. Um, why don't we just join forces? I feel like I'm the only dude that offers that. I've been, I've been approached on public land. Um, you know, I I really would rather just kind of because I like you know I like just hunting with my buddies. Not to say that you know you can't find cool people yeah. out there in the marsh, but um, you know I'm very particular about how I do things. Yeah. Um, be it decoy spreads or calling tactics or anything, and it's just kind of awkward if you know I I don't want to impose anything on anybody else. Um. So I just kind of, I'd either find a new spot or just, uh, you know, probably just find a new spot. That, that's, that's, that's the, I've only been approached one time and that's what I did. I just, um, there first and I was like, oh, I'll just go somewhere else. Yeah. Well, all, the interesting thing is, is a lot of people, they don't have, uh, a, a backup. You know what I mean? Uh, they would go in there yeah, and like that's which, their one spot, and it's 
That's a gamble. It, it is. I mean, when you're hunting public land, you need to have at least four spots that you know that you can get to or get there early enough that you know you're going to beat out everyone else. Yeah, exactly. And that's why anytime my friend's like, oh, what time are we leaving? Uh, you know, it's usually like, oh, 2 a.m. <laughs> but then I was talking to my neighbor who he, he hunts the, he hunts down here too. And uh, he was like, oh, man, I was out scouting tonight, and there was dudes already throwing their decoys out. And I was like, oh, really? That sucks. Uh, I, I, was, I got a half of mine. I was like, well, you want to go night fishing for some decoys? <laughs> but uh, that's not right either. Yeah, see, now some states, it's illegal. Yeah, no, yeah. I think Kansas is one of them. Yeah, like, you can't... Safe. There's a couple things. Like, you can't have a boat out. Maybe. Yeah, I think it's just you can't, you can't put your decoys can't out. Decoys. Yeah. Well, Arkansas, Arkansas, which I mean, you can say what you want about Arkansas, um, but they have. I think it's a four a.m. boat launch time. Like you can't be out there before, I've and so it's it. like. Yeah, that's awesome. Like I would love guys to go ramping each other. Like I, I guess, I guess what I've talked to, I've talked to a couple guys about this from Arkansas. And, you know, it's basically two guys in the boat. You might be hunting with four guys or whatever, whatever your party is. Two guys in a boat. You take the, you know, the, the lightest guys so you can get faster. Throw in the decoys. You drop off the one guy. He throws the decoys out so he can claim the spot. Then you go back and get the, get all the heavier stuff. Mm. <laughs> and then you oodle on in. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's crazy. Those videos are just like, uh, like a drag race, people going not a drag race, a, a derby, like you know a derby. Mean? Yeah, that's that's what I meant. Yeah, a demo <laughs> derby, pretty much. Yeah, I've seen those videos, and like I would, I would like to participate in that once. Like that's once. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd love to watch it firsthand. I don't think I'd want to be on a boat during that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. So, uh, what were you hunting out of this week? What do you mean? Were you guys just set up on the? I you haven't sent me your video link yet, so I don't I don't know what your hunt looked like oh. this weekend. Well, uh, so the two hunts I went on this weekend. First one, I just sat up in some cattails and saw pretty much nothing for birds. Like I saw, I could probably count. It's it probably thirty total for the whole time and. You know, I only hunted till about nine because yeah. the Huskers kicked off early. Yeah, which whoever whoever keeps scheduling these early kickoffs needs to be fired. I agree. But <laughs> well, hey, so the I Huskers hunt. did really well yesterday. We did. We didn't get the W, but we looked good. Yeah, I think we'll win this weekend. Yeah. Um, who who all went out with you? It, I was just hunting solo both days. This oh, week. okay, gotcha. Which part of the state were you hunting? Uh, dis- that's disclosed. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm out in, you know, out in, uh, out in Nebraska, western Nebraska. Western Nebraska, gotcha. I didn't know if you'd made a trip up to the old, uh, uh, stomping grounds up there or not, but. Nope, maybe this weekend, you know, uh, deer opens up, so I'm going to. I'm going to uh, turn in my waders for some orange and try to get a buck 
Yeah, you're going to be so close, though. You should just come down and we can go get, uh, um, we can have some some college kids scare the ducks away from our, our spread. <laughs> just kidding. Well, that, see, now that raises another point. What, I want to get your thoughts on this, because I actually thought about this today, of what these blinds, I was like, you know, if I had, if we had two or four people split up into pairs and fill up both those blinds. And then we could do that communication thing. You know, every other group we get, what if you did that down there? What was your thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, basically taking out a larger party and then spreading out. Uh, yeah. I know that some people, what they do is they'll, they'll go set up a party. Uh, so they'll, they know where they want to hunt and then they'll set three or four dudes up with like just a half a dozen decoys um, at, on either side of them and completely stake off the land. And then as soon as it's shooting light, they'll pull up and, uh, they'll reconsolidate. And then you've basically carved yourself out a, uh, um, a much larger spot. And if that's what you kind of have to do to get somebody to be two or 300 yards away from you, I don't necessarily, I don't really too much have an issue with that. If it gets someone to, now, if you're talking huge swaths, like, you know, six, <laughs> seven, eight hundred yard, um, uh, you've got, you've got your entire, like, every dude that was a groomsman with you, like, uh, lined up along Everyone the bank. Everyone drives a separate truck. Yeah, that's a little, that's <laughs> different, I think. <laughs> um, but if you're just doing what you can to scrape out a little 400 yard, um, piece of heaven for yourself, then I, I don't know. I'm sure that happens, though. I'm sure someone does it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I I think I've done it once. Like, I was like, hey, man, just go stand over there, like, uh, like 200 yards, because we'd, get, we'd been getting set up on, like, pretty bad the entire week. And uh, so we did that, and then it, it worked out for us, so. Yeah. But yeah, man. What else? What else is there? I mean, there's there's all kinds of stuff. I guess we didn't want to just talk about public land etiquette. Did we want to no. discover some others? Yeah. Being successful on public land and some of the tips and tricks that um, – well, you, you've hunted public quite a bit. And then I pretty much only exclusively hunted public for my first mm, four seasons, three or four seasons. So Yeah. So being successful on public land, I guess – in a general term, I mean, we all have those bad story, you know, those bad luck stories or those frustrating hunts like we both experienced this weekend. Um, but more than more often than not, all you need to remember to be successful on public land is just two words, and that is work harder. Um, you know, I find a lot of people uh, put in the minimum effort and. You know, they'll set up right next to the parking lot or they'll, um, you know, you can go on and on. But you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, if it's something where it's like, okay, well, there's really no – I think a lot of – I found myself in this situation a lot when I was uh, first starting out. Is like, well, it would be super easy to get there if I had a boat, but I don't have a boat. So how do I get in there? And then you have to look and like, well, man, that's a probably an hour long hike where it'd be a 10 minute jaunt for a boat. (laughs) 
And so when you say work harder, it's, you know, it, it, it really stinks. Um, walking for 45 minutes and then hearing a boat cruise up um, right as you're about to show up, um, which is why my number one rule uh, when it comes to, you know, working hard, it kind of falls on the same lines. Working hard, you got to be early. You're already yep. you're already waking up early. You're already driving, um, you know, upwards of maybe you know half an hour to three or four hours. Who knows? Um, why, why are you not going to take like that extra little bit of insurance and say, okay, well, we're leaving at one a.m. and then we're going to get there at you know three because not a lot of people are there at the water at 3 a.m. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Yep. And not a lot of people, you know, they're not going to do those. If, like, especially, like, marshy areas that you can't get a boat in, mm-hmm. a lot of people are going to find your first opening and set up there, which, I mean, is fine. They'll probably shoot some birds. But it takes, you know, and it's not just uh, the day of the hunt. If you really want to be successful, you got to work before then. That means, you know, do your scouting. Like, go out, scout, scout a lot. Scout every time of the day, every time of the week, anytime you have a free minute. Try to find those areas and what kind of weather patterns the birds are, you know, and when they're using those areas, what the birds are looking like during that time. Um, I guess you could just go and say scouting is another very important part of it i mean it's just general waterfowl talk but uh scouting goes back into the work hard um a lot of people you know they probably don't even scout they just go out you know and this is where i'm going hopefully there's birds there which that's fine but if you want to be uh consistently successful on public land or even private land you got to do your scouting you got to put you know put boots on the ground and yeah, and I'd Go say my, like, kind of what my rule is for, like, scouting these public land spots, the first time you go out there, um, you're scouting for access. You're scouting to see, like, what the place is like. Um, and then it, it, you have to be there within two days of when you're hunting, I think. So, a timeline, you have to be there within two days of when you're going to actually hunt the place. And you have to be there at the time you're going to hunt. Um, there is the other thing where you scout the night before. Um, maybe even two nights before. That's getting a little uh, far out there. Um, at the, you know, Okay, hey, there's birds here. We're going to set up here. You know what I mean? But I've had yeah. many places, many times I've been burnt where, okay, hey. Uh, it's the night before the hunt. Scout it. Hey, there's birds here in the morning. They don't even use that in the morning. You know what I mean? Where, and I've been some places where I found it because I like I pumped the brakes because I saw a little glimpse of the lake through the trees and I saw birds there um, at 6.30 in the morning and I would have never found them otherwise. And so we go set up there at 6.30 in the morning and that's, you know, we hit them real hard for two days and then I've never seen them there again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, what are your rules? Does, does that sound pretty, like, in line? Yeah. Um, you know, I I do the – I like to do it the night before. Um, 
I, I'm generally scouting about the same areas. Yeah. And um, so I can kind of get get them keyed in on, you know, when they're coming back from the fields or when they're heading out. Um, yeah, it's, I guess we're in my area, it's a lot easier to get kind of a good, good feel of them. Uh, like around Lincoln, I know we can never really get them keyed in on, uh, like a specific pattern. Yeah. Cause it, it's, it's just so many different water bodies and so much pressure out there that it's hard to, it's hard to really get them figured out, but out here it's a little more um, consistent, a little easier to to get them pinned down. It always helps when you can see like a half a mile too, you know. Yeah, that that does help. <laughs> yeah, if you're not having to worry about trees. Yeah, yeah, but so another thing, um, so scouting obviously pivotal um, to public land hunting, but I think a lot of guys that public land hunt. Um, they don't, I don't think they've got the time to scout. Uh, I think there's a, there's a good majority of people that get really turned off to waterfowl hunting because you do have to go like scout hard and like they don't have access to like a place where they don't have to scout. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And so it's like, well, damn, like I just, I, I know what needs to be done to be successful, really successful, but Unfortunately, I'm constrained by time um, or situation, and they just they can't get it in, and uh, that's they end up showing up, and which is fine. Like some people don't care; they just want to be out in the marsh and shoot two or three ducks. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. I think that's the healthiest, um, actually, attitude towards waterfowling uh, that there probably is. Like, hey, I want to get out. I want to go like five or six times uh, a year. And I want to, you know, go out with my buddy, and I want to shoot five or six ducks, maybe total. And I uh, just want to enjoy the out, you know, outdoors. Uh, I think a lot of the problems that we get is from us crazies. You know what I mean? Yeah, the diehards that are <laughs> scouting every day. Or <laughs> yeah, yeah well, like sometimes we shoot ourselves in the foot, you know, because we're so crazy for this. And I mean, you can't turn it off, um, and you can't oh. turn you can't turn passion off. Um, but I think we cause a lot of our own like headaches. So I would agree with that. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, but yeah, I think the access is a huge thing. Um, dudes that don't have a boat, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, that's, that can be really rough in a lot of places. You have to look at how am I going to get in there? You know, what am I going to pack with me? Um, And I think that goes back to, you know, people don't like the term internet scouting, but internet scouting is in the ways of understanding, like, where do roads, you know, meet public land? Um, And trying to find the best, like, attack point for a particular area that you want to hunt. Uh, So you don't, that you're not crossing through, you know, private property, um that you're avoiding the boat ramps or having to walk really far. So, yeah. And I just want to clarify internet scouting real quick because I feel like I need to. Yeah. <laughs> so I think what you're meaning by internet scouting is you're looking at like Google maps, uh, your local game and parks, game and fish. Uh, yeah. I've called commission. it digital. I've called it digital scouting in the past. Um, 
And I, go ahead, continue. But you're, you're talking like looking at maps, looking at the available public areas, right? Yeah. Okay, because I've, I've talked to other people who do this, and uh, I've had it happen to me, well, somewhat often. Uh, but you would not believe how many people, when you have a hunting YouTube channel, how many people will ask you, hey, where are you hunting? Like that, that, that's the type of internet scouting that I do not agree with because one, you're not going to, no one's going to tell you, right? Like you're just making it awkward for everyone involved. Yeah. And then it, it's, it's just really awkward. So like, just do your own work guys. <laughs> just want to put that out there. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, there's, there's been times where it's like, um, when I was in El Paso in like my first season I was looking at other people's photos of uh them having successful hunts because I was trying to find you know some good spots um and I said to myself holy crap I I know where that picture was taken or at least I know that it was on the other side um of that mountain range and so I looked at it because the it was basically like mirrored like the, the mountains were and I was like oh yeah it's gotta be six miles and I drove out and I found the place and then it so when I found I was like oh man that was kind of shady of me um, to do that. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think I ever ended up hunting it. I think I actually did. I did hunt it once. Um, but I never ran into the guy. Um, but that, that's like internet scouting right there. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't have an issue with that. Like if people, if you can figure out where someone's hunting from their videos or pictures, that's fine. But don't, don't just ask them like that. That is really, you know, that's a good way to get people, to just, you know, kind of rub people the wrong way. Yeah. But, I mean, if you, if you can tell, and fishermen are really bad about this. Like, they are super protective. I can't tell you how many fishermen pictures I've seen where they're holding, like, a trophy muskie or something, and they have the whole background blacked out or blurred out. <laughs> no, I, they're, I... Yeah. I think there's an app for it even now, but it they are super protective, and... I feel like hunting is going to move that way or if it hasn't already, you know, people try to take pictures so you can't see the background or um, any identifiable characteristics. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, I agree. Uh, and actually I've got a, uh, uh, he runs a pretty successful um, fishing podcast that I've reached out to last week that I'm going to talk to him a, a little bit about um, public land exploitation. Um, you know, I th- we've had so many conversations about, um, in the group, like, hey, don't talk about Cheyenne Bottoms, dude. Like, it's on the cover of DU right now. Um, like, those people going back and forth with each other. You know what I mean? Like, don't mention this, you know, public spot. Don't mention this. And we've, we've you know, we talked a little bit about that last week, I think. Um, but really talking about, like, what are the consideration factors? Because that conversation piece has been around in fishing for a very long time. Um, especially with the, you know, cause what is it? Fishing, YouTube fishing is like, um, something like two or three years ahead of hunting YouTubes, right? Yeah. That's, I've heard a couple people say that, you know, like duck hunting now or just hunting in general is, um, what fishing on YouTube looked like three, four years ago. Right. So yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, 
And then there's obviously when we, we talk a little bit about um, being successful um, in public land, there's – I think that there's a certain amount of these rules like that you have to uphold yourself to because you could go out and be the biggest jerk in public on, on, on the, you know, the public property uh, and probably you know, pull people's ducks Badger people into like situations um, that they don't want to be in, and you could still shoot a limit of birds. But were you really successful? <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you have actually um, you're a big kayak hunter. Um, I love my kayak. Yeah. So, you know, I have that 14 or 16 foot John boat. And me and Austin, we didn't get it registered in time um, to, for the on the because I got a six and a half horsepower motor on it. I'll probably have it registered this week. But we paddled that thing out there with some kayak paddles, and it worked like a dream. And um, it was nice because didn't have to worry about the motor or anything like that or a trailer. We just threw it in the back of the truck. And I think next time all we're gonna do is just add the motor to it. And I like it made it made my life so much easier. So, yeah, you need uh, you need to talk to Jordan from Duck Gun. He does the ki- or the canoe thing. Yeah, and he he does pretty good with that. Yeah, what uh, what ended up basically like? Why did you end up choosing a kayak? And is a <laughs> well, is a big boat ever in your future? A big boat is possibly in my future. Well, I guess. I did buy a boat this last summer. Oh, that's right. And uh, you, you know what boat stands for, right? No. Bust out another thousand. <laughs> and uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we bought this boat. It was I was just kind of a stupid thing. I was at a garage sale, and uh, this guy was moving away and saw this boat there, and it was for sale. And he's like, yeah, I'll take like i'll take 400 offer for you i was like oh sweet and so me and Devin kicked in you know we put 50 you know we both put in 50 percent, and we bought this boat and take it out took it out twice and uh both times we were revving her up having fun you know uh making whirls making waves and all that crap and it cuts out both times oh man so the the first time, luckily we had a buddy with a boat. We went, you know, he had a boat out there too, and then it was able. We were able to get it started up. The next time, though, we were about a mile away from shore, and we had to use our trolling motor to get back, and it took about two and a half hours. Oh God! <laughs> what was what's the issue? So it, I don't. I think it was just bad gas, water in the in the gas, either mm. that or something with the carburetor. It's been at the shop for the last six weeks. Haven't heard back from them, so. I I don't know. <laughs> well, we'll find out, I guess. Hopefully, it's not too expensive. But uh, no, I I would I would like a boat some point in the future, though. Um, just having a boat blind with a nice stove that I can cook breakfast instead of my you know my uh, whatever pop tarts or wh- whatever little breakfast that I carry with you know that'd be a lot nicer. Yeah. Um, and not having to physically exert myself every time <laughs> right but uh, now is there we'll, not a way on your kayak can you put a trolling motor on it or something 
oh man, if I if I put a trolling motor on that kayak, oh, that it looked like one of those little high speed racing boats. I think uh, you know how they tip up so fast. Yeah, I think that's what would happen with that kayak. How big's your kayak? It's only a ten footer. Or, yeah, it's ten foot. Yeah, you could like put the battery way up front, run a wire back to it, and uh, just run <laughs> that thing over your shoulder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. I've I've seen them. They got like people put big LED light bars on their kayaks and stuff. And I, was like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's awesome though. Yeah, I mean, you definitely would look unique in the marsh. Uh, <laughs> Right. But, no, no, I got that kayak, uh, they were just at Walmart, and I was like, well, you know, I could probably, I could get a lot, to a lot more spots with this kayak, so I just bought it, and then modified it up, and now I love, you know, I wouldn't go anywhere without it, it, I love how it works, I wish I would have got a little bigger one, kind of like Elliot has, but. Yeah, like an actual, uh, like, layout boat. Yeah, they have so much more storage. Yeah, but this—it's—I I mean, it gets the job done. Yeah, I can't I, complain about. It. I would definitely look into that if I were you, because um, the—I—I've—I haven't sat in one, but uh, I did uh, like throw my all my gear in and haul it out there, and it wasn't a bad haul. Um, but it—it uh, it was nice for sure. I just a very like built up almost like open kayak. So, cause you don't hunt from your kayak. Do you, you, you just stand in the marsh and you push it, push it in, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I cannot hunt from that. I don't like hunting when I can't, you know, I don't like getting up and like to shoot even out of a layup line, which we're going to be trying some more this year. So that'll be interesting, but I don't like, you know, shooting from a sitting down or reclined position, I need to be standing up or at least crouched so I can jump, you know, pop up and shoot them while I'm standing. It's right. just kind of a comfortability thing for me. Right. Agreed. So what are you doing this weekend? You said you're going deer hunting? Yeah. So we got a three-day weekend thanks to Veterans Day. Um, so I got three days to deer hunt. Hopefully I get it done Saturday so I can duck hunt the other two because – it never fails. Whenever I'm out deer hunting, that's when I see the big flocks. That seems to be the migration yeah, or the start of it. I actually have a four-day weekend. Um, Ooh. But my wife just informed me that we don't have any daycare set up for Monday. So sounds like I need to make it like a Friday-Saturday thing. <laughs> so, yeah. If you are... Uh, um. If you're in the area and you get a deer down, let me know. Let's, I think we should – I'm only, like, I think 45 minutes. No, I'm probably an hour away from your parents' place. So, Yeah, come on up. We got a, got a private pond with a heated pit blind. Ooh. That's... Yeah, so we might not shoot too many ducks and geese, but we'll have, you know, we'll have bacon and eggs at least. That's worth it for me right there. Um, yeah, I think we should definitely look into doing that. So, uh, for sure. But I got, I got, so essentially I got two days this weekend that I'm going to be hunting because I, I think it's, oh man, sorry. 
For any of those that don't know, we're recording, um, what is this, this is the 4th Sunday night. It's only 7.09pm, but it feels like 8.09pm because of yeah the time difference. But Plus we were out hunting all week, weekend, so. Yeah, that's true. I was only out hunting yesterday morning. But, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I didn't. Get, I don't get to go twice in a weekend anymore. Unless I, I do get, I think I will start asking for that once it gets a little better down here. I'm not gonna burn. I, I'm not gonna burn it, you know, yet. So <laughs> pick your battles. Yeah. Yes, sir. For sure. All right. Should we get back on track here? <laughs> Yeah, we should. Kind of, kind of diverged off there, but uh, I do have another uh, tip for being successful on public land that I thought of. Let's hear it. So I, I stress this a lot. If anyone watches my videos, my like hunting boot camp series, or um, just oh, even other ones too, but I like to do something different. And you know, so I think we've talked about this in the past too, Ben. But mm-hmm. like the standard spread. You know, just, you know, your standard standard duck or your standard waterfowl spread, probably half dozen goose floaters and maybe two dozen greenheads. Would you agree with that? I would. I would. And, and two mojos. And two mojos, yeah. And, you know, I like, I like to, you know, and this kind of goes back into the scouting, I like to kind of um, match the hatch, as it were. You know, it's a fly fishing term, uh, match what the fish are eating. Right. I try to match what what the how the birds look, what birds are out there, and so you know I've heard, I've got a bunch of laughs pulling up there to the boat or to the ramps and to the to the hunting areas, and when people when I pull my coot decoys out, oh yeah, and people, you hunting coots? And I'm like, <laughs> no, they're just they're confidence decoys. I don't want to shoot coots, but uh, they they you know they, they all just kind of snicker or they. Like, what is this guy doing? We're rocking coot decoys. And, you know, the best I, part I, about coot decoys is you can get, you know, you go to a garage sale and you see a box full of, you know, 70s or 80s decoys. All it takes is yeah. a one can of bed liner and just a quick hit of white spray paint. That's it. Yeah. And, and you've and got yeah, yourself tons of decoys super easy and if you got like we got coots out here everywhere oh yeah and sand hills the sand hills all the rivers lakes they all have coots on them you know so it's just natural it's it's almost unnatural for there not to be coots with them well um i've told you the story about my first decoys haven't i uh i don't remember (laughs) So when I went out and like first checked, like the first time I ever went um, duck hunting, I went out, you know, the day before to scout and I saw a bunch of these black ducks with white beaks. And I looked and I looked at my crappy brown, like my dad had given me like a bunch of duck decoys. And I said, wow, crap, those don't look like anything like the ducks that I saw out there. So I spray painted them black and uh, hit their beaks up with like white. And I I had like two or three dozen coot decoys because I didn't know the difference between a duck or a coot. <laughs> hey, at least it wasn't a grebe. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because you can shoot. Greaves will cost you a, a nice little check. I think I see, like, every other day, someone, some sort of post on the internet about, hey, can you identify this? And it's always a Greeb. You know what I mean? Yes. A Greeb or a Cormorant. <laughs> yeah. Now, those Cormorants, wasn't, doesn't somebody have a season on them this year? I think. I think North Carolina and maybe Michigan does yeah. because it's more for fish, saving their fish populations. Cause they, I guess I looked it up and they will decimate a fishery. Like if they're there, them and pelicans. Yeah. I know my parents they, live on a lake and, um, my dad, like he says that cormorants, like you'll have one or two show up the one day and then the next day you'll have 30 or 40 cormorants like, Showing up, and so they they shoo them off as best they can to kind of let them know that they're not wanted there. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they do that, that shooing off, but yeah, we might not want to know. I don't think we do. <laughs> but no, going back to the you know just be different, um, not just cute decoys. You can use all kinds. There's like blue heron decoys. Um, dive bomb has else, some, uh, dive bomb has some, some sandhill crane decoys. They, that That's another one. Um, you know, if everyone's running a mojo, I'll, I'll pull mine or not even take it out. Um, and then, you know, if everyone's hammering on high balls or just calling aggressively, sometimes I'll just shut up or give them a little, few little quacks. That's really all you need. Little quack, little whistle, um, just something to stick out from everyone else's spreads. You know, that's why I I have a I have divers, I have teal and widgeon and pintail. Like I have a whole uh, just a whole potpourri of duck decoy, different duck decoys, and I, I don't take them all out at once. I you know kind of mix them out. Like this was the first day I took out my mallards. I've been running my puddler, my puddlers, and my uh, coots and divers earlier this year. Just because that's where I was hunting, that's what I saw a majority of. And now you are you are a quality over a quantity um, duck decoy guy. Is yes, that correct? yes, yeah. Well, with my kayak, I kind of have to be. You know, I can't I can't pull a lot in with yeah. my cart. I can carry more, but here's a um, here's I still a question for you with your de- with your um, with your kayak. Can you not just uh, float a bag behind you? I could, but I got see. I got them all Texas rigged. Yeah, I like I like that Texas rig. I don't really like the wrapping and unwrapping. Um, um, one, one thing you might want to look into is the duck nuts. Um, okay, because um, you put them on there and you just slide the base towards the um, decoy, and then you don't have to wrap it up because it's just a line. That's like flailing out. It's so it, it won't get tangled on anything. So you can put you know three or four dozen in a bag um, without having to wrap or anything like that, which is nice. Okay. Unless, unless you're my friend Austin and I give them to you to rig up and pack all the decoys the night before, and you uh, don't put the weight towards the base or <laughs> towards the decoy, you just keep them at the end of the line and take my word that you can just throw them in a bag. And then they still end up being like Texas rigs when you don't use them properly. 
So, <laughs> and it was a good thing we were out there early. So, but yeah. Uh, so, like, you you don't think that you could? Uh, so, how do you how do you stow them on your kayak? How many can you take out? I've taken out. Usually, I take out about two dozen. I can take out. I've taken out more. I don't like to because pretty much they're on top of me too. Then I, I just you know like throw them on top of myself. Yeah. As well, but uh, most of them I can get like a dozen up front on the on the bow, and then I can get another dozen on the stern, and uh, just go from there. Yeah. I'm I'm looking into a sled because I can just hook a sled up, throw them in there, and pull it. I yeah. think that might be an easier way. I just need to find one that I like. Um, so that, that'll probably be an off season purchase. Yeah. Those sleds are pretty handy. And I, I think that would work out really well for like towing it behind you and yeah. Get more gear out there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you use a marsh stand or excuse me, not a marsh stand, a uh, marsh stool. I don't use a marsh stool, but I do use the marsh stand from HTR Innovations. Yeah, that thing's nice. That thing is sweet. I know. I agree. Um, <laughs> dude, you, sh- you should look into a marsh stool because I told myself that I didn't need them either. But uh, this year I bought one, and it's pretty nice being able to sit down in the reeds. Oh, no, I want one. I just haven't got one yet. <laughs> I have like a little – a little fold out one that I've taken. It's from Walmart and you know, it's only about, it only sits about two foot off the ground. So if we're in knee deep water, it doesn't do me any good, but yeah, I think we need to talk to Hunter and, and Jordan over there at HTR innovations and have them make one. Um, Ooh, there we go. <laughs> um, because but I got one for, I get, I got a Northern flight one right now. So from Cabela's. Just coming up with some new products for him. I know, <laughs> I know, for sure. But okay, what else do we got? That was a long time oh, to talk about uh, your kayak. Yeah, this this one's kind of all over, guys. I apologize. <laughs> That's all right. But uh, what else do we have here for public land success? Oh, well, this. Uh, I guess this kind of also ties into be different um, if it's possible, but it's, uh, you know, choose, maybe don't hunt at peak traffic, uh, don't hunt at peak traffic times. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, the weekends are obviously going to be the most populated. The mornings going to be the most populated. If you can get out there midday, go out midday. If you can get out there in the afternoon, nothing wrong with an afternoon hunt either. Um, you, you can still shoot birds. You can shoot birds all day, um, and depending on the weather and the conditions, you might be more successful in the afternoon. You know, I've gone out afternoons where it's really warm in the morning, and you get that cold front come through around noon, and then the birds just show up like that, just like you snap your fingers, and yeah. you can live it out in an hour. Yeah, I've never had too much success in the afternoon, um, just because I feel like they fly super late wherever I ended up, and... They ended up flying like, you know, right at sunset. So usually is how that works out for me. 
But, well, you got to find where they were flying from, Ben. Well, that would be uh, that would be helpful. I think probably a good <laughs> thing to do. I'll put it on my to do. Uh, the other thing too is is uh, I just I I am such a morning hunter. I love hunting in the mornings. So I'd I'd rather go sit out um, on a marsh and get skunked in the morning than go back and shoot you know six in the afternoon. That's a pretty bold statement. That yeah. If it's not in the morning, it's not doing it for me. I I mean, I like hunting mornings as much as the next guy. Probably not as much as you. (laughs) But uh, I also also like my sleep. I am not a morning person per se. I I would be – I would describe myself as more a night owl. Yeah. So – and it's really tough because, you know, in the – like – in the fall and stuff here you got those late friday football games so i'll watch those until 11 or so yeah and then wake up at three or four to go out so i don't really get a lot of sleep on the weekends so if i can if i know it's gonna be good in the afternoon i'll i have nothing wrong with taking that you know morning off and hunting the afternoon yep i get you but it's just you know personal preference um some people you know Morning, mornings are definitely the best. I would say overall. Yeah. So, uh, for sure. Sometimes you just got switched up. Yeah, I agree. What are you doing to your computer right now? Oh no, I don't. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> but. Were you hearing sound or something? Yeah. It sounded oh. like you were <laughs> dusting it off or something. No. Oh, okay. Never mind. Well, I think uh, I think I think we about beat it up the old public land. I think so. Maybe uh, we'll throw it out to the listeners here, guys. If you have any other tips or uh, any other, I guess, etiquette uh, comments you'd like to make, just you know, drop it down below when Ben posts this in the group page or the. Facebook page, face, yeah, Facebook page. Uh, let us know down below. Yep. And what <laughs> uh, what video should they be looking at? So that they're hearing this tomorrow morning, I guess. Uh, what you, oh, are you releasing okay. tomorrow? I, I did not know that. That's a quick turnaround. Holy crap! All right. Uh, well, I'm hoping to get three out this week. Oh man! Uh, tomorrow possibly is going to be a new cooking video. So if you guys yeah. like barbecue and you like and you have a bunch of duck, definitely want to check this one out. Um, and then you'll have two other, two duck hunts. The so one from today will probably release Friday. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with my editing this week because it's supposed to snow Thursday, Ben, Ooh. out here. And, you know, when it snows, I save all my vacation days up. So if it's snowing, I'm not going to work. No, pretty much is how that works. I, I love hunting in like a like a fall like a slow falling snow. Nothing that does what, it better for me. What is your ideal hunting day? I think you used to ask. Did you used to ask people this question? Yeah, I, I still do. Um, okay, well, I want to hear yours. <clears throat> so mine would be like if I could hunt any like if you said tomorrow, what's it going to be like? We're going to go hunting. I would say that I want to be over some shallow water. Either that's a 
you know, shallow river or something with an ag field um, or, or some sort of field, right, um, and a small amount of water. And I'd be in like a hard stand blind, like either a pit blind or like an HTR um, A-frame or something like that. And uh, <clears throat> it'd be like a light snow falling, uh, I think about 10 mile an hour wind. And it would be kind of like gloomy and dark out. You know what I mean? Yep. That's that's how it would be for me. And bitingly cold. See, mine's mine's a little different than that. Not too far though. Um, my perfect hunting day, I'd just be on a lake or something, and or mar- in a, in a marsh probably. Mm-hmm. And it's probably you wake up, it's sunny. And it's 50, 50 degrees, we'll say. Yeah. And about 10 o'clock, clouds just roll in. That north wind picks up, and it's gusting 30 miles an hour. Starts to rain, then sleet, then finally just heavy snow. And the birds are right in that front. Right. Uh, you could almost call it a foul front. <laughs> and they're just dumping in. You don't like. You don't even have to talk to them. They're just cupped up and coming in. You know, feet down, 10 yards. Yeah. That that's my that would be my favorite uh, favorite hunt. For and sure. actually, actually, that's I guess kind of segueing into the Veterans Day holiday. That actually is kind of similar to what happened. Uh, have you ever heard of the Armistice Day blizzard, Ben? Yes, I. In fact, I want to do a history piece on that, uh, like literally we an should, episode all about. We that. should cover that next week. You want to cover that next week? I, I would love to. I, I love, like, there's so many good stories about it. Oh, yeah. About the, uh, what is it called? About the, well, they call it the Day of the Duck Hunter Died. The Day died. of the Duck Hunter Died. And there's been several articles written about it, and I've been, obviously there's not a lot of first-hand sources around, but I really wanted to try to get some people on, like, that who, you know, their grandpa told them the story and have them tell their grandparents' stories. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so that's the only reason I haven't done anything up to this point. There's actually three or four other history pieces that I really want to do um, on duck hunting. But uh, yeah, that's yeah, I, I think that'd be a good that'd be a good topic for next week, though. That's it's a really just really interesting kind of cool story, tragic, but um, yeah, just the the stories about all the ducks they saw that year, like that. Day. Yeah, exactly. It's just nuts. For anybody that's not tracking uh, the Armistice Day blizzard, what was it, 19... Um, 40... is in the 40s, I believe. Yeah. Uh, was it? Maybe 50s. 40s yeah. or 50s. They didn't have good radar then. Yeah. Uh, or, or they didn't have radar. <laughs> yeah, anyways, a bunch of duck hunters went out, and then they, got, they all got caught in a blizzard. And a lot of people died that day. 1940. 1940, yeah. But there's yeah. some really crazy stories in it. If you want, let's do it. Let's do it next week. Yeah, I, I'm all for this. Okay, sounds good. Maybe we'll do it uh, in person when, if you can get a big buck down and stop messing around with the deer. <laughs> that's that's the challenge. There's so many things I want to do in just so little time now. Like every hunting season that way. I wish I, wish I just didn't have to work in the fall. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and speaking of that, I better get going so I can get this episode put out and 
Well, we've been druthering on for a while now, so. Yeah, I'm sure people are tired of hearing us talk already, so (laughs) until next week. (laughs) Until next week, guys. Uh, Ben from the Foul Front and your new semi going to be around every now and then for most parts. Matt from High Prairie Sportsman. Yep. We'll work on your title. I think I'm going to call you like uh, like a not, not a guest host, but uh, we'll figure it out. Contributor. Contributor. I All don't, right. I don't know. All right. The people are tired of us. All right. See you guys. All right. Bye. I want to give a huge shout out, um, like we always do during this time, um, to our uh, partners. Um, so we got uh, Hunt Hickory Creek, which if you're not familiar with Hunt Hickory Creek, that's Chase and Cody and Scotty and Megan. They're all in the group, and uh, these are a good group of people. Um, I talked to at least one of them, mostly Chase, um, at least two or three times a week, uh, whether it's deer hunting or talking about birds or, or just uh, you know rubbing in the uh, fantasy football smack talk and, and all that stuff. Anyways... Hey, don't try, you don't put your money in something that you can't first validate or like get to know or you know something like that. You can get in there. You can literally see what uh, you're going to be getting out there in the blind uh, with you know these guys and these guides. So go check them out. Good people, even uh, better uh, uh, people to go hunt with. So uh, we've also got Dive Bomb Industries and Dive Bomb Industries. Um, you know they've been they did a lot of good work for us and uh, put a lot of our listeners into um, some really affordable spreads and I am just pumped to um, get out and start targeting some some big ducks with uh, with my spread that we're all set up with over here and uh, just really you know excited to put the the 2D um, you know ideology um, to the to the test so alright we've also got Toe Tags LLC uh, you, you guys heard Ryan's story and if you haven't heard Ryan's story go check it out um, episode 23 uh, but anyways just check out go look for the uh, Toe Tags LLC story um, you know we whether or not you want to argue that it is actually a you know regulation or an enforceable law or anything I mean, the law is the law, and I don't, I'm not going to put myself uh, in a position, uh, at least anymore, uh, to where I can be, you know, whether or not I get a ticket is at the discretion of the, you know, investigating officer or, or um, you know, however things are going that day. So, um, just for a couple cents a day, uh, or hunt, I should say, you can be fully taken care of you already spent all the money on the gas and stuff so go tag your birds and make sure you're not throwing them in a big old pile and uh yeah go ahead and stay legal with toe tags llc we've also got gypsum creek retrievers evan over there um in gypsum with a creek running you know through the back of his yard um is running a awesome little uh kennel uh in I got to go out and I got to go hunt with his flagship dog and um, got to see the way that he interacts with um, that dog and just the way he talks about 
you know, his business and his dogs and uh, the people, dog he's training. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's really humbling to see a guy who's, like, so ate up with it and uh, is just in it. And he's just doing it out of passion and decided to make his passion something that can put, you know, um, dinner on the table. It's a heck of a heck of a deal. Uh, we've also got Athlon Optics. Um, Athlon Optics, go check these guys out. Um, they have some of the finest shooting scopes uh, on the market, and their binoculars are bang up. Um, literally, they are the same quality as something that you'd pay two or three times the price of, and they're just a solid um, feeling binocular and uh, it's, it's nice, you know, I'm not going to do any direct comparisons out there, but, uh, I've held a lot of binoculars in my time and I'm very satisfied with these, uh, with these ones. So go check them out at Athlon Optics. I've got the, the Midas, uh, 10 by 42, uh, and it is suiting my needs perfectly out here, um, in Kansas. All right. Um, next we've got, um, freelance hunt stats. Uh, I've, I've always logged and tracked all the birds that we've harvested and whatnot, but it wasn't until Elliot showed me his freelance hunt stats, uh, at freelancehuntstats.com that it's not just a journal anymore. Now it's a database. Now I can go through and I can filter, um, all the stuff that I want to know. Uh, you know, windy days, cloudy days, uh, days I shot all blue winged teal, like, Things, things of that nature, and um, even by location, and it's super affordable. You know, uh, just don't buy one monster this month or one Starbucks coffee, and you've got yourself um, what you need to keep track. Plus, super helpful when you go to fill out those hit permits. So, all right, uh, we've also got duck nuts. Uh, that's D U K N U T Z. Um, and if you haven't seen the videos or pictures of me, uh, utilizing these things yet, uh, I freaking hate, um, dealing with Texas rigs and I take out a lot of new hunters and I always end up, I'm always sitting there untangling stuff or unwrapping keels and, uh, instead with these duck nuts, you just throw them on there and all you gotta do is literally you just stretch out the line or you can slide the, the weight. Um, all the way towards the decoy or down, and you just throw these things in a bag. It's awesome. Hey, they even came out with a uh, a carrying. Uh, it always seems that my wife is always walking in whenever I'm doing the duck nuts uh, commercial because she's just looking at me because she thinks it's hilarious. Uh, but they just came out with a bag and it's called the nut sack, and uh, it is it's pretty cool. You can strap your shotgun to it. Um, they've also got hats. Um, too, and uh, for my boy Wilson listening out there, uh, Hunter over at uh, Duck Nuts, he made a hat just for you, buddy, um, and all you other coot shooters out there. So, um, but yeah, so good stuff. Go check them out. Uh, just a really great product. Uh, we've also got the Duck Tech mobile app, and the Duck Tech mobile app is an app that's designed to help you get better at calling ducks. Um, it literally, it's got Barney Califf on there, a, uh, two or three time, uh, world duck calling champion. And 
He does the the call, tells you what it's for, why to do it, when to do it, and then you can actually go in and press record, record yourself, and then you can hear it side by side so you can see how you want to tweak it up. Pretty cool concept. Uh, a lot of times, you know, you're just dealing with like a DVD or, or some other, you know, like, here's the sounds, now make this sound, and that's not this right here. This is something that you can do on your commute. So, pretty sweet. All right. Next, we've got um, we got Gunner Kennels, and uh, Gunner Kennels. If you have never laid your hands on a Gunner Kennel, uh, probably some of the finest uh, craftsmanship or over example of overbuilding um, something. And that's perfect. That's fine with me. You know, my wife she loves those things because. Um, it keeps the babies safe, uh, the, the fur babies. And at the end of the day, you're kind of charged with the responsibility of uh, that animal's life. And, you know, I wear my seatbelt. I don't text and drive. Um, why am I going to, like, just throw my dog in the back of the back of the truck to, you know, be in uh, jeopardy if something were to happen? Uh, and then, uh, newest partner, uh, that I want, that I'm super excited to get you guys into is HTR Innovations. That's H, uh, T, R, like Hunter, uh, Innovations. And they've got the coolest little thing. Um, it's a stand that you can put out in the marsh that holds your gun, um, holds my recording equipment, box of shells, all this other stuff. Check it out on the Instagram uh, page. Uh, they've also got an A-frame blind uh, that they come out with that is super simple to set up. Um, just like stupid simple. And then they've got, uh, for you guys that absolutely hate layout blinds, they've got a layout blind insert. And makes that thing just about as comfy as the living room couch. So... Go check them out. Uh, and then last but not least, we've got SRB Field Rests. So you hiked into this muddy field, set out all your decoys, had your bag ready to go with your gun in it, and then you take your gun out and you just set it in the mud. Or you, you know, you're constantly making sure that you, you know, don't fumble this thing around. These two little stakes from SRB Field Rests. Stick them there. Lay your gun down on them. You didn't come this far to like jam your your gun up with a little bit of mud because you got excited about some some geese uh, in your face. So that was really dramatic. I have a little bit of a stuffy nose. It sounds like, but all right. We just want to let you guys know these companies are the bees knees. Um, these are cool people great people I like I'm not just throwing them on here so that I can take up your time and you know make money or whatever it is I believe in these products I believe in these people and uh, I'm a huge fan of somebody turning their passion into their everyday job so that they can try to escape some sort of um, nine to five where somebody else is their boss uh, and I'm a huge huge fan of that um, you know, trying to do that myself. So, yep. Before you know, think twice before you buy uh, 
something um, you know similar to these, and you know they, they help bring you this show. And so if you like this show, you like it to be around, <coughs> you know, um, check these people out. So, all right, everybody, safe hunting. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Foul Front Waterfowl Podcast Group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great-great-grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, we also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. I and mean, if you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like. And we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners. So, all right. Stay safe out there and we will see you next week. Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can impress all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither. But hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby, 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby, right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.